what do you call yourself deep down where no one else can see or hear? What name do you claim and what names are you stuck with? What does God call you? In the text that Gretchen read for us this morning, God hears his people Israel cry out in Egypt. God hears and God will act to bring them out of slavery, out of uh, Egypt. God saves and God calls men and women to be a part, to play a role in God's mighty acts of salvation. The story of Moses, like the story of Joseph before it, is uh, wonderfully rich and meaty, full of intrigue and relational drama. Uh, you'll recall the baby Moses uh, is plucked from the Nile where his mother had placed him in a basket of pitch and bitumen. Uh, Moses' mother casting him into the river as uh, Pharaoh decreed, sending him not to his death, but placing him in the river in such a way that he might be drawn out again, whole and healthy and restored to his mother. Not unlike the way God will eventually send his own son, Jesus, through the motions of death to be drawn out from the grave and raised to new life, whole and healthy and the agent of our salvation. So Moses is drawn out from the Nile and after a childhood with, with his Hebrew mother, he goes to the palace and becomes a prince of Egypt. He becomes this character straddling uh, two worlds and two cultures, uh, one of great privilege and the other great oppression. This conflict of identity plays itself out uh, with Moses. Uh, who am I? Am I a Hebrew? Am I Egyptian? Am I a prince? Am I a slave? In a fit of rage, this inner conflict spills out and Moses strikes an Egyptian overseer, killing him, burying the body, and fleeing for his life. Moses winds up in Canaan married into the family of the priests of Midian, uh, which is where we find him in our text today. And in this burning bush scene, Moses heeds the call of Yahweh, of the great I Am. And seeing this strange sight, a bush that burns but is not consumed, Moses declares, Moses decides, I must turn aside and see what is happening here. Now, Moses could have passed on by that burning bush. Many do. Many who feel God's prompting, God's nudging. Many who feel God whisper in their conscience or try to get their attention. Many brush it off, ignore it, and go their way. Too busy to be bothered by some uh, burning bush, some uh, prodding of the conscience but Moses turns aside to have a closer look. And in so doing, Moses encounters the divine and is seized by the great I am. Seized and sent, formed and transformed, chosen as an agent of God's witness and salvation. Moses is not sent back to save Israel from Egypt, but to announce God's intent, God's plan to save the chosen people. Moses is not sent to save Israel. That is God's work. Moses simply witnesses to what God's uh, doing, to what God's action is in the world. Moses proclaims it. Moses announces it. 
Moses is an agent of God's action. And Moses, as an, a witness, as an agent, is not unlike the church today. We encounter God, we experience the Spirit, God's grace, God's mercy, God's saving activity. We encounter the divine and are called to witness to what God is doing in the world and in our lives. When you were baptized, you were placed on holy ground. You were placed in relationship with the great I am, the invisible God, holy and pure. When you were confirmed in your faith, you responded to that relationship with God. You said, I must turn aside and see what is happening here. And you stood before God and before the church and said, like Moses, here I am. You acknowledged God's choosing you. You acknowledged the gift of faith given to you. You acknowledged that God has elected you for a purpose and you took up God's call on your life. As, the, as a member of the church, your life and your calling was renewed that day you were confirmed and you went back to your life, to your Egypt, changed and renewed by the call of God in your life. I think this morning of all those who continue to hear God call them. And God's call doesn't stop in our lives. It doesn't stop and it, it doesn't even necessarily stay the same. God is not static and neither is God's call. God's call, like God's spirit, is moving and dynamic. It changes and it grows, which is why we need to return to that burning bush why we need to spend time in God's presence, in worship, in prayer, in community. Moses returns to Mount Horeb, this time with the people of Israel in tow. This time we know Mount Horeb by its other name, Mount Sinai. This time the call of God extends to the whole people of God, and they are given God's covenant, God's promise, and God's law. God's call is dynamic, so we come back to this holy ground. We come to God gathered in this place, this sanctuary. We come proclaiming the mighty saving acts of God as God acts on behalf of Israel, bringing them out of slavery, acting on behalf of creation, sending Jesus Christ, God's own son, to reconcile all things to God, to remind us of God's good intentions for creation, for society, and for you and me. On this holy ground, God says, I made you. I made you for a purpose. I see you. I see you and I see all the things uh, that you carry, uh, all the things that tempt you, that distract you, that divide you from that purpose for which you were made. I call you back, says God, here in this sanctuary. I call you back to your calling and to your confirmation. I call you back to your purpose, and I send you into the world to be my witnesses. Witnesses, God names us. Witnesses to what God has done and is doing in and through Jesus Christ. Here in this worship, you receive what you need to live up to your calling. God tells Moses, I will go with you. God tells us the same thing. Here in this moment, hear Jesus' words, 
I will be with you always. Call doesn't have to be complicated, and it doesn't have to be uh, grandiose. I think uh, of the stories that came out years ago. You remember when Hurricane Harvey hit the Houston area? I don't, don't know if you recall the stories. There were all these uh, news stories of heroics uh, and caring, uh, not of a grandiose uh, fashion, but more mundane. I think of all the folks in that area who heeded the call to bring, bring boats. You remember there was this, uh, this call put out by the governor. Uh, those, of you, those who had boats, come on, come help pick people up. Uh, and those who had boats packed up and picked up and went out on the water uh, to help others. Or more recently, with other hurricanes like Adelia this week, uh, I think of folks all around the country whose first response to stories of disaster uh, is to give. Uh, to send help and aid. Uh, I think of folks in the Dayton community who, uh, in response to hurricanes in the past, have given uh, toys for children, uh, aid for those who've lost everything. Uh, this, too, is the way God's call plays out in our lives. God calls and we respond, here I am. I think, too, of uh, this little elderly woman in her prime. She was a, a deacon at her church. She taught Sunday school, but she doesn't get out much anymore like she used to. Uh, now she sees her calling as that of a, a prayer warrior. Each week she gets prayer requests from her church, and she prays fervently, uh, daily for those concerns and for those people. Uh, she loves them through prayer. Her calling has changed, but she continues to heed the call. Now, not everyone is called, and not everyone responds. Uh, even those of us who have responded to God's call may have times and seasons when we are laid low by grief, uh, when uh, we have need or misfortune that sidelines us. At these times, God calls someone else. God calls someone else and sends them to care for us instead. We may be called, but this is good news. Life does not depend on us. The story of God's good purposes, the story of salvation does not depend on us doing the right thing. It does not depend on the called. It depends on the God who calls. God saves the least of the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. Not all are called, but all are saved. God is doing the same for all creation. We are reminded this morning in our gospel text that not everyone understands God's call or God's plan. Uh, Peter himself argues with Jesus when Jesus says that his call is to go to the cross and to die and uh, be raised again. Uh, Peter denies that that can be possible. Uh, but then Jesus responds, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Let them heed my call. It's like Jesus is saying, just like God did earlier, uh, watch me. I am who I am. You watch and see who I am. And then you follow after me. I'll close this morning with the story of Sarah Miles. And I like this story, so I may have told this to you all before. Forgive me if I repeat myself. 
Uh, Sarah Miles is the author of a book, Take This Bread, uh, Jesus Freak and City of God, Faith in the Streets. For Sarah, the Lord's table was her burning bush. It was the place of her calling and her conversion. Uh, Sarah Miles was raised an atheist, uh, and she says herself she lived an enthusiastically secular life. Then early one morning, for no earthly reason, she wandered into a church. Uh, I was certainly not interested in becoming a Christian, she writes, or as I thought of it, rather less politely, becoming a religious nut. After a life of travel and adventure, uh, Sarah Miles was a, a food critic for, I believe it was the New York Times. Uh, after a life of travel and adventure, of waiting tables and growing up in her family's restaurant in New York City, uh, Sarah Miles' life had settled into a, a satisfying uh, domesticity. She fed and cared for her child, she entertained friends, and she had a good life, and then, one early cloudy morning, she writes, when I was 46, uh, I walked into a, into a church and I ate a piece of bread, took a sip of wine, a routine Sunday morning for tens of millions of churchgoers, except that up until that moment, I'd led a, a thoroughly secular life, at best indifferent to religion, more often appalled by its fundamentalist crusades. She says, this was my first communion. It changed everything. Eating Jesus as I did that day, to my great astonishment, led me against all my expectations to a faith I'd scorned and uh, vowed uh, I would never be a part of. This mysterious sacrament turned out to be not a symbolic wafer, but actual food indeed, the bread of life. In that shocking moment of communion, filled with a deep desire to reach for and become part of a, a body, I realized that what I'd been doing with my life all along, um, I realized that what I'd been doing with my life all along was what I was meant to do, which was to feed people. Only now that understanding was couched in the call. Uh, the call of God. Sarah Miles went on to found a feeding ministry in San Francisco uh, called simply the Food Pantry. And the mission to feed the hungry now extends from her table at home to the Lord's table at church to the food pantry in her community. She heard and heeded her call, much like Moses. And in response, she is now an agent of God's salvation in her community and has found her own purpose and passion and has found, as she would say, her own life. Praise and thanks be to God who is working in the world so that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee will bend and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God.